Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Melissa Walker, Senior Director and Wellbeing Product Manager at JLL. Melissa's going to talk to us about Theory F workplaces and what that means and how we can have human-centric innovation to be able to carefully curate the right environment for our people to thrive. Welcome to today's podcast, Melissa. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm good, Harry. Thank you. So how are things going over at the moment over at JLL? And can you tell our audience a little bit more about the role that you have specifically working within JLL? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're on fire at JLL when it comes to wellness. We um, are really seeing a lot of great momentum in the wellness space. And my job specifically is in the product organization. So I help bring solutions, ideas, um, actual tangible products to life for our clients who then are implementing them on behalf of their employees. So it's a, it's a big role and we have a lot of um, opportunity to impact a lot of individuals, which is really nice. And so can you tell me a little bit more? I've been reading about Theory F workplaces. Could you tell our, our listenership a little bit more about what that entails? Yeah. So, you know, at the start of the pandemic, everybody went home and, you know, we were working, um, as it turns out, very successfully from from our homes and from our houses or wherever, our basements, our, our terraces. And um, we wanted to understand a little bit more about the psychology of the hybrid worker, what they were going to need once they got back into the office. So we started thinking about pulling together an analysis of all the research that's out there, plus our own you know, perspective at JLL, and we created the um, Theory F white paper. And it really um, is a great you know, short read on you know, the deeper understanding of the psychological needs that employees have when considering their return back into the office. Fantastic. And hybrid working is taking over at the moment in many organizations. What are the trends that you've seen there and how can we best support hybrid workers? Yeah, I think the biggest take home message I've had through the white paper research and all the other great research that's out there is that, you know, one size fits one. And that's the big difference is everyone went home and they were able to create their individual work style at their home. They were able to kind of work when their energy suited them, um, the ebb and flow of the day coordinated with what they needed personally. And that is really what people are looking for, that that sincere um, flexibility in how I work when I come back into the office. And that's not an easy nut to crack because an office is meant to serve many, but everyone has gotten used to working in a way that's best for them. And that's a really hard thing to give up Um, after you've had this for two years. And so really it's looking at what are those needs of the employee when they return, because it is really super individualized and we can no longer approach office space or culture and policy of the office in a kind of, you know, one viewpoint that one is going to work for everybody because it's just not going to work. And I think that's a lot of what has caused the, you know, great resignation is, is people, don't want to give up that individuality um, that they've been able to create for themselves with within work. 
And how come organizations best keep that individuality going? What advice could you give to HR managers, well-being leads, for example? Yeah, I think one, and I think this is the premise behind the white paper, is you have to lead with empathy and compassion. You know, you have to really try as a manager, as a supervisor of people, and that ladders all the way up to the policy and even the culture of an organization you need to be empathetic to what it's like for someone coming back into the office who has had two years to establish new routines, two years to maybe focus on their wellness that they didn't have previously. Um, they've made um, you know, connections with their kids in a certain way. So I think it really first and foremost requires empathetic leadership and that ability to be compassionate to individuals' needs. Um, I think if you can start with that, as a manager, you're going to find solutions that work for each of your employees. And keeping in mind, again, that, you know, it's not going to be one solution that works for everybody on your team. You're really going to have to look at each individual person and figure out, you know, what do they need to be happy, productive, well, and contributing employees. And are there any common themes that you're seeing at the moment in relation to challenges with hybrid working? One that we've seen, for example, is musculoskeletal health being mm-hmm. a major problem, a major issue, because less people are walking to the office or even walking up and down the stairs in the office to be able to go to the loo, for instance. So mm-hmm. how can you see the challenges then being overcome as well off, off the back of that? Yeah, I mean, no doubt that you know ergonomics is an important part of the conversation because as people redesign their workspace. And there's a recognition that the intent of the office is now different, right? Everyone talks about coming in to collaborate, talks about, you know, connecting with your colleagues, really being able to be, you know, creative. And with that comes a different way of setting up your office. You're not going to have the cube farms. You're going to have a lot more open space, different types of seating. And that's all going to require better training on ergonomics. It's going to require Um, a recognition that people are going to want to have, you know, again, that ability to work what the way in which their bodies are telling them to work, Mm -hmm. right? Do I need to stand? Do I need to sit? Do I need to walk around? I'm no longer going to be attached to my chair the whole time in front of a computer. So I think the whole muscular skeletal um, injury that we have seen is because people have not had the proper training or understanding of ergonomics. But I think there's also, um, you know, people have had a chance to commune with nature. People have had a chance to work outdoors. And I've heard a lot of folks kind of regret this idea of being stuck inside for eight hours, right? This, you know, they've had that chance to take those midday walks or to, to work on their terrace. So there's a lot more emphasis now on how do we bring to life outdoor space And um, some of our priorities we've uncovered with our regenerative workplace studies has shown that outdoor space is one of the top three desires of people as they come back into the office. So I think we're going to have to figure out how to deliver that um, organizationally to employees who no longer want to just be stuck behind glass for eight hours. That's fascinating part of the, part of the research. It's something that I found over the last couple of years as well um, is being able to work, work outdoors. But in the UK, it's often very cold. So uh, yeah, f- firmly inside at the moment. Yeah. Um, we spoke before this session today and we spoke at long length around ESG. 
And globally, that's getting recognized as something that organizations need to be investing in going forwards. How do you see well-being fitting into the ESG agenda and how are you positioning that in front of senior leadership? Yeah, I think um, mental health is a real concern for people. Um, the, the number of people who are suffering from mental unwellness, who are feeling lonely, who are feeling you know, displaced, um, not purposeful in the work that they do. It's a huge problem. And I know you do a lot of work with this, Harry, on your platform. Um, I think what maybe we have been measuring um, to kind of connect ESG to social measures maybe needs to be rethought, right? I, I, I don't disagree that safety in the workplace isn't important. It certainly is a foundation of work. But I think what we're learning is that there are other ways of, you know, recognizing um, workforce risk for investors and that wellness or well-being is broader than just safety. And I don't know if there's a consensus yet on what those measurements should be, but I believe that a large part of the discussion around ESG and wellness is that we really need to come to an agreement on what is important to report how does that impact um, your, your organization when you're not paying attention to people's wellness? I mean, people are your greatest asset. We hear that all the time, but yet we don't always see people really putting actionable, responsible, empathetic programs in place to really elevate your best asset. And I think now that's starting to be a problem for people. And if they aren't genuinely reporting metrics that matter, under that S of the ESG, then it's going to start really differentiating organizations that care about their employees versus those that are just talking. And I think there's a big thing at the moment in terms of that slogan being used and then employees going, hang on, hang on a second, we're just making financial decisions. And so then all of a sudden there's a bit of distrust across the organization and the communication is broken down. And that's something that I, I really do talk to our members about is if they are truly their most important asset, say it. Um, but if it's actually just the bottom line, then be completely transparent with those people. Um, otherwise, there's going to be distrust. So I completely agree with you there. Now, we speak at long length about the future of workplace health. And I'd love you to share your thoughts with the audience going forwards around the trends that you're seeing, where you can see things progressing. Things have progressed so much in the last two years alone. But over the next 12 months, where do you think specific areas of workplace health are going to progress into? So I, I theorize that we're going to talk about holistic wellness in a, in a very different way. Um, often I hear holistic wellness being around different elements of personal well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, social well-being. I believe that what is, what is transforming the workplace is that holistic well-being is now around all the various integrations necessary in an organization in in terms of truly delivering wellness. So in my world, holistic well-being means what are you doing for your real estate portfolio? What are you doing for HR? How are you bringing in technology? How are you bringing in safety? And now holistic well-being isn't going to just mean various elements of personal well-being, but it's going to be around the full umbrella that is required to truly deliver wellness. It can no longer be siloed where HR is doing their thing and corporate real estate is doing their thing. It has to come together. We have to start seeing that integration. And that will really be the definition of holistic well-being in, in my view. 
What a fantastic way to finish today's session. Melissa, I know how busy you are and how many projects you've got ongoing at the moment. So I wanted to say a huge thank you for you to, uh, to, to join um, today's session. Oh, it was my pleasure. I love speaking with you, Mary, and I love the work you're doing. So it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.